It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Nerd Party. Let the filibustering begin. Welcome to Nerd Pod. Well, hello and welcome to Filibuster here on the Nerd Party Network. Joining me as ever is Dallas King. Dallas, are you all wrapped up with your mittens for watching films in Utah? Absolutely, that's that's where I am right now. Why? You, don't you believe me? I mean, it was actually snowing uh, yesterday morning while I was watching films, so I'd like to think I was getting as close to the uh, traditional Sundance experience as I can from my sofa in Aberdeen. <laughs> well, usually when we sort of like kick off our episodes a little, we've been kind of like, so Dallas, what have you been watching? <laughs> Lee, have you, what have you been watching? But I think in this case, I think we just dive straight into it. Dallas, you've obviously been sort of taking in the virtual 2021 um, Sundance Film Festival. I should note I have had to write down so many times 2021 because I'm constantly saying Sundance 2020. I'm still not in that mindset yet. So, <laughs> so Dallas, it's for people that were sort of like signed up for it. How long in uh, how long in advance have you been sort of preparing and excited to to go to the virtual Sundance Film Festival. And what was the, the setup like for the festival for a press like yourself? Well, I mean, given last year, and what well, I say last year, I mean, you can basically, so if we go by calendar year, sort of March to March, um, I mean, we discussed it at great length during our, our London Film Festival episode about the, the differences and uh, the pros and cons and just you know, wanting to have some sort of film festival experience, no matter what it is. I mean, obviously not to, to name drop, but I was lucky enough to have both sides because I did manage to go to the Venice Film Festival, which was an actual film festival. <coughs> Shameless promotion for myself. But um, given uh, that Sundance uh, takes place in America and uh, the state of things in America uh, uh, currently, um, things perhaps might get better. Who knows? We'll have to see. But um it was always going to be unlikely that they were going to have a physical version of Sundance. And if they did, I think it's fair to say that uh, I would not have been attending, not through any fact of you know not being allowed to enter the United States at the moment, but really because of the um, the costs involved in getting across and just the sheer amount of travel that I would have to, to do for about a sort of five-day festival, because I think I would have had to fly from Aberdeen to London, then London to somewhere like New York, or Dallas, Fort Worth, and then connect to Utah, and then um, then get a bus or something to um, uh, Park City itself. So the fact that they they said that it was going to be a virtual festival, and they were accepting press applications, I said absolutely, yeah, you might as well give it a go. You know, no guarantee. You know, I work for a fairly small outlet in the UK. Obviously, it's you know it's a, it's one of the big sort of festivals. You know, you've got Cannes, Venice, Toronto. 
you know london is is, is getting up there but i think uh sundance it's, it's the first one of the year it always sort of kicks things off well you're always um fans of a24 films uh and, and neon actually in particular this year as well are always looking forward to seeing what those guys sort of uh acquired during the festival so i thought i'll send it in got a reply i think it was around about mid-december saying i was in i was very excited um and then they sort of dropped the uh the program probably sort of early january mid-january um to be honest there was not many films which i had heard of um there was nothing you know there was no sign of the green knight which hopefully will turn up at south by southwest i think but i thought well you know i'm in for a penny and for a pound um and then sort of got the details of how it was going to work and i felt okay this could potentially work because i know one of the biggest problems that we had with the london film festival was the fact that the press screenings were limited to basically two-hour windows where basically you had to watch it within a stipulated time and you know some people tried to get around it by sort of pressing pause and then sort of coming back to it on the lunchtime and stuff like that sometimes it worked sometimes it didn't um i know some people who went to the new york film festival virtually last year who had a basically it's like a 72-hour window on this one in sundance was basically you had your premiere slots and then the day after you got second screenings where basically you got 24 hours to watch it if you were press you technically had 51 hours to watch it because you got a day before it went on screening live to the public as well um so i mean it's a bit of a rookie error i have to say that uh when sort of scheduling things i was looking at the times and going well there's no way that you know i'm going to stay up for you know a premiere screening at two o'clock in the morning um unfortunately with an imminent house move um i couldn't afford to take the time off work so it was basically i'll watch films uh during the day either sort of before start work at lunchtime in the evening and stuff like that so i hadn't actually booked many premieres but then it turned out that the ones that were on it like from 5 till 8 a.m i realized that if you pressed play around about 10 to 8 in the morning um you could still watch it uh, you know, the, the cut you basically you had four hours to watch it from the time you press play. So therefore, I then sort of reschedule things to sort of get one full premiere in the morning and stuff like that. In terms of writing up my reviews, um, when I did the Venice Film Festival, I managed to see about thirteen films and did about thirteen reviews, and that was basically down to the fact that I was there doing that and nothing but that. Um, I've been averaging about one review a day, if that, but I've managed to watch fourteen films um over the last sort of four days uh four five days thursday friday saturday sunday monday tuesday six days technically um but there were some issues today um where they'd uh, given every sort of press member sort of 10 second screenings uh that they could access but then due to issues over the weekend they then reset it to zero on the monday but then everyone logged in on tuesday and basically it said you'd used all 10 so basically i haven't been able to watch any today so about five days um so yeah i mean it's a brave new world lots of you know i think the the platform itself has been fantastic for viewing things because i haven't had to use a vpn or anything um if you bought a ticket through the main website you had to have a vpn or an ip address in america or canada however if you were press you could watch these films wherever you wanted to. So that was a great thing. Um, hopefully that will be the norm for the likes of South by Southwest and, and other sort of 
um, non-UK film festivals in the future. That would be great to see. Um, so overall, very happy. One thing that I have kind of missed out on is the social interaction. Um, I know it's the biggest thing we missed about London was being able to sort of queue up uh, for a film and chat with your friends and then sort of uh, immediately discuss it afterwards. But because I didn't really attend many premieres, they did apparently have a holding room uh, where for 15 minutes before the start of the film, you would basically enter the holding room and you sort of like a virtual sort of chat room thing where you could talk to other critics and stuff like that and audience members. Um, they did have Q&As after the films, uh, which they then sort of put up online so you could just watch them anytime, which was good. And I guess because they were sort of virtual ones just done over Zoom, it then was just one moderator talking to a couple of people about the film and therefore cutting out the uh, hideous, uh, this is more of a comment than a question or two part questions. Uh, which I despise. So that's one thing that the uh, the virtual film festival world has uh, managed to to lose, which is 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 that's a good thing, I guess. But um, overall, no, no, a uh, great experience. But uh, I would have liked more sort of interaction, I guess, if I'd sort of stayed up between the hours of basically eleven p.m. and eight a.m. UK time to be on Mountain Time. Uh, I might have been able to do a bit more of that, but. Um, what it did allow for was basically waking up in the morning and seeing what the US critics were making of all the films and then sort of rearranging your schedule based on, okay, that sounds really good, I'll give that a watch, or, well, I was going to watch that, but it sounds like it's an absolute stinker. Uh, I'm not going to waste my time or one of my precious 10 viewings on it. I'll find something else to watch. So, um, yeah, like I say, pros and cons, but uh, overall it's been, um, I think it's been worthwhile. <laughs> So what were some of the films that you were excited to see going in? What kind of, I know you're someone that enjoys going through things with a highlighter. Another thing that we've sadly lost in this kind of period of uh, kind of COVID. What have, what were you kind of looking forward to going in? I mean, yeah, that's the, the, the biggest uh, disappointment. The upcoming Glasgow Film Festival was not getting my, my physical brochure to get my pink highlighter out and, and go through it in great detail. Because I think if you've got, a physical brochure i think it's easier to find everything that you're going to want to see because you basically pour over everything whereas with an online thing you're sort of you know going through windows and then clicking through to get to different subsections and i always feel that the stuff that i'm going to miss and it's it's true that i probably was missing quite a lot of things before i actually got into the start of the festival i mean the, the sort of the biggest draws for me going in was uh, a new Ben Wheatley film uh, in the earth where he was returning to his horror roots um, and then also a new Edgar Wright film is always welcome uh, but this one was a documentary about Sparks uh, the music band which I have to say I had never heard of before uh, or wasn't really familiar with before going in um, but I have thoughts on that one which I'm sure I can get to there. But yeah, I think this was more, since there wasn't like the main draws, I think like probably the biggest film that they had sort of got late uh, announced to the to the film festival was Judas and the Black Messiah, um, the, the Fred Hampton story um, starring Lakeith Stenfield and Daniel Kluwer, who will probably get an Oscar nomination. Um was that was probably the biggest sort of name draw and sort of Oscar bait sort of thing, so this was more about sort of taking chances on on the smaller films, which 
I know we've both said it with London and Edinburgh and stuff like that. That's where sometimes it can throw up uh, a real gem with the likes of like Run from London Film Festival a couple of years ago and stuff like that. It's those are the, it's it's the finding something to fill a gap and then it turns out to be one of your most favourite films is is always a joy. And I realise I've just gone on a rant for about ten minutes. Not a rant, but a blur blah blah blah. blah. So yeah, I'll let you speak. <laughs> no, not at all. Like, like for me, like I suppose it's similar to I was kind of thinking about it the other day with with kind of this sort of thing where for me, you know, I I, I never got around to signing up in time, and um, I am determined I will. I noticed that um, South by Southwest is still open. I'm going to take advantage of that and and sign up still. But for, for me, I suppose it's similar to these YouTube videos and such like that you get when kind of the weather's terrible, you can't go abroad. You're like. I'm just going to watch a video of someone enjoying themselves or doing something or an unboxing video. That's what I suppose this one's this one's like for for me. So you know, what have been the surprise films? Um, yeah, no, I mean the I've I have seen um quite a few good films, but yeah, I was just thinking because um our very own Sean Eastridge uh went to Sundance last year, and it would have been funny to have him on to sort of compare and contrast experiences of being uh you know actually there versus virtually there but uh I have to say I did uh buy a Sundance Film Festival jumper uh off eBay for ninety nine p and I've been wearing it the last couple of days while watching the films uh to try and uh feel like i was I was more there because unfortunately i I don't know whether it's due to brexit or whether it was just, you know, the shipping costs were too much, but um, I wanted to buy something from the store as a memento, uh, but unfortunately it didn't ship to the UK, um, because that's the one thing, the biggest thing I miss from physical film festivals is getting your press pass, which you can add to your collection, and then also a nice tote bag, because uh, who doesn't love a tote? But um, films that I did love, I will tell you. Um, one and... This one is just sort of outside the the top five. Um, it's one which didn't work for everyone, but it's it's one which I hadn't realised what it was reading the um the blurb. But uh, when I saw people talking about it in the morning, I added it to my list. Um, I think what piqued my interest was somebody used the uh, the dreaded phrase A twenty four vibes. So <laughs> I thought I'll give it a go, and this was a eight for silver, which is uh, a bit of a gothic horror story. Um, about uh, a group of uh, English people who run off a Romani uh, travelling uh, camp from their land and uh, uh, before they die, the Romani gypsy woman puts a curse on the land um, and it turns out that curse uh, is in the form of a werewolf um, and uh, one of the uh, children of uh, the landowner uh, becomes infected uh, by a werewolf and proceeds to stalk and hunt the rest of the village and it doesn't work completely um, in terms of like atmosphere and look. Uh, it's sort of spot on. I think where it falls down slightly is in the um, the CGI effects that uh, surround the werewolf. Um, it's like there's an amazing, there's some great practical effects, uh, including an autopsy, which is sort of... Um, probably up there with the thing uh in terms of creepy gruesomeness and just sh sheer sort of wtf about it all it is like a real sort of shock of what happens and um i'm not going to spoil it for anyone um but it's like the practical effects in there are great it's like they spent 
a lot of time on the production design, cinematography and that. It's just, I don't know whether it was the budget ran out in terms of uh, when it came to the CGI or something. It's probably why the, the monster is not glimpsed fully until sort of the end. But I mean, sometimes, say Jaws, for example, if it doesn't work, sometimes your limitations can work to your advantage. This one, maybe not completely convincing. Um but it is a different take on on the sort of werewolf story that we haven't had for a while. So you know, horror fans uh, would probably enjoy that one. I think. Um, next up is the uh, aforementioned the Sparks Brothers uh, musical documentary by Edgar Wright. Um, those sort of looking for your traditional Edgar Wright style might be slightly disappointed. This is a very much more traditional music documentary using archive footage, pop videos, talking heads and stuff like that. There's not the jump cuts and the fast editing and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I noticed on Twitter today, I think he said that um, he'd attended a Sparks gig with Phil Lord from the Lord and Miller directing view and said, you know, I don't know why Sparks aren't more famous. You know, someone should do a documentary about them. And then Phil Lord said, well, why don't you do it? And so he pitched it to the band that evening and he said, yes. And this is the result. And it sort of reminded me of, I think, one of your favourite films of last year, um, David Byrne's American Utopia. That was a music concert film, but both times I wasn't really aware of the bands and their music. Uh, it turns out, of course, watching you know the, the documentary, it turns out you actually do know some of the songs, you just didn't realise that they were by them. But I think it's the kind of thing where coming in as a complete novice is not a penalty, it's basically starts it's a very very comprehensive documentary to the point where it's slightly too long it's sort of two hours 15 minutes but it covers their entire career so far which is about 54 years um so there's a lot to cover and they do between and but i think uh, anyone going in uh, can't help but uh, be intrigued by the band and want to uh, sort of seek out some of their music and I believe Edgar Wright's already put together a, a Spotify playlist for, <laughs> for newbies too of course he has so yeah so um, yeah it's a very very accessible documentary um, there was another documentary which I just watched yesterday um, which was called Misha and the Wolves which is probably going to be sort of it's like a Storyville one by, by BBC but I can see it sort of being picked up by Netflix because it's got like so many twists and turns in the stories it's about a woman um, who survived the Holocaust and apparently went looking for her parents uh, who got transported to Auschwitz and she was travelling on her own through the woods and got sort of taken in by a pack of wolves uh, and then she was encouraged to write an autobiography about that but um, some people do some digging and maybe not everything is not what it seems and I will leave that one at that one in case anyone wants to watch that. Um, we've got Flea. Now, this was a film which was picked up by Neon, um, uh, acquired at the festival. And it's a, a sort of Danish documentary about a Afghan refugee who came to Denmark, um, uh, escaping the war. And it's about him reaching a point in his life where he wants to, to move forward um, with his fiance, but he has not told his fiance the truth about you know what he left and stuff like that and it's about him talking to another friend uh and sort of documentary filmmaker therapist uh, about his experiences finally um but it's done um i'm not sure if you're familiar with the film waltz with bashir did you ever see that one yeah it's it's done in a very similar style where it's basically a documentary where it's a series of interviews but it has been animated um, so you get to follow the story uh, visually, um, whereas if it had just been sort of two people in a room 
talking, it might would not had the same impact as it was. Um, it was very very good, and um, it will probably be up near there with the the best of the fest for a lot of people. I think. Um, huge crowd pleasing hit um, was next. Actually, the first film of the festival, Coda. Uh, I'm not sure if you've heard. Did you hear much buzz about this one on on the Twitter sphere? No. No, well, this was picked up for $25 million by oh, Apple. Yes, yes, Apple. And uh, this is the story um, of a young girl who is the only hearing member of her entire deaf family. And they work uh, in uh, Massachusetts uh, on a fishing boat. And it's about her struggle of wanting to help the family, but then also wanting to pursue her dream of singing and getting into college uh, on a scholarship for singing something which the family don't really take seriously because, you know, they can't hear it. So, you know, what what should it matter? Uh, it's really, really sort of crowd-pleasing. Sort of, there was lots of people saying, you know, they were in tears by the end of it. Um, fantastic sort of performances. It's sort of, you know, if you'd like Sound of Metal, you know, this is another sort of film which showcases uh, deaf actors, uh, you know, doing it. It's not people playing deaf, it's actually deaf people doing it. So it's got like uh, Oscar winner Marley Matlin and stuff like that. So very very good and um it's also got uh i think it's the the lead actor from sing street uh is uh, the love interest uh as well so uh it's also got a very sort of it's got it's got that traditional sort of you know coming of age you know fighting the family but you know doing something all culminating in a sort of musical performance sort of thing you know very everyone's gonna i can't see anyone who would not like this film i think it's just it will be it'll get a i say get a wide release <laughs> it's going to be on apple tv and probably not in cinemas because cinemas aren't really open yet but um i think this one's going to do um very very well next film is probably one of the most um affecting of the festival a lot of people have been talking about this one in terms of the performances um it's a debut film uh from debut screenplay and direction from uh, an actor called Fran Kranz uh, he was in The Cabin in the Woods and is it maybe Alias or something like that I'm not sure um, but he's, this is basically a four-hander about two families who come together uh, six years on after a tragic incident to um, sort of work through their issues uh, it stars Jason Isaacs uh, Martha Plimpton from The Goonies uh, and Dowd from Handmaid's Tale who read during that and then uh, Reed uh, Brinkley, who is an actor who you probably kind of recognise the face of, if if not the name, and it's just these it's just these four people talking. It's very could easily have been a stage play, but it's like there is they're talking about an incident which essentially I don't think it's a spoiler to say that it involves a school shooting, and you know this is just four powerhouse performances, and there is a jump cut in there sort of around the halfway point, which is as sort of shocking and gasp-inducing as, as you'd find in, in any horror, I think. And I think, yeah, this is one which people are going to campaign for for the performances. It's a hot topic, obviously, in, in America at the moment with gun violence. It kind of manages to not delve too into the politics behind everything too much. I think one of the characters even sort of says they, they didn't want today to be about that it's it's more about how something like that affects the families and not just the families of the victims but also the the perpetrator as well so um yeah i think this is going to this is going to get uh, a sort of big release i think after uh, sometimes someone's going to pick this up and and run with it in terms of the the quality of the performances i think 
Yeah. And then I've got one more film, which is if anyone has, has seen my Twitter feed during the festival, will know exactly which film I'm going to talk about. And it was the first film I saw. I gave it four stars and then I rewatched it because uh, I had time to and then I bumped up to five stars. And this is the horror movie by Prano Bailey Bond and it is Censor. Uh, this was a film which I wasn't really on my radar until sort of the first day. And then I sort of had a look at the description and went, actually, you know what, I'm going to give this a go. And I'm so glad I did because I am a huge fan of Barbarian Sound Studio. And this is this year's Barbarian Sound Studio. Um, it's uh, basically a film set in the 80s um, around the time of the video nasties when um, the BBFC, which back then apparently was called the British... Uh, British Board of Film Censors, not classification, they were censoring films at that point. And it's about a woman who experienced a tragedy uh, in her youth um, and is now working uh, in the BBFC. And then one day she comes across a film which sort of triggers a memory from her past. And then she sort of is convinced that this the person who made this film may hold uh, the key to the, the secret being unlocked. Um, it looks like it was filmed in the 80s. Um, it was filmed in sort of 35mm, the costumes uh, and stuff. Uh, there's a lot of smoking in rooms inside, which kind of gives it an immediate sort of period setting. Um, but it's a fantastic performance by Naim Algar uh, as Enid, the, the main protagonist. Um, it's got that sort of thing where as it goes on, you're not entirely sure what's real, what isn't. Um, it's also got uh, stylistically, it also reminded me of sort of a bit like Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Um, so if there's any fans of that, then I think you'll love this as well. Uh, it's just, you know, it's it's violent, but in a clever way, it knows that what is truly shocking is what is left uncensored. It's made cuts to it like a censor would to stay on the right side of, of, you know, not being banned or anything like that. So I thought that was great. And it also is surprisingly relevant in terms of the Me Too movement, in terms of how Enid is treated at the workplace as a woman, and then also sort of the sort of psychological and emotional manipulation which goes on on set on a horror movie. So it's got a lot of layers, uh, like an onion that has layers. And uh, uh, yeah, no, this is just a fantastic film. I think anyone, I think uh, Kim, who's often on our podcast, I think she would love it as well. I'll be keen to see what she says. Um, it's a British film. Uh, it's uh, been produced by Film 4, so I expect it will get a release at some point here later in the year, but uh, I'm very excited to see what um, Prano Bailey Bond um, does next. And um, if there was any fans of uh, Nathan Barley as well, uh, Nathan Barley, Nicholas Burns himself, uh, makes an appearance as a, a cocky censor as well. Oh, and Michael Smiley's in it, and no film uh, is ever bad for having Michael Smiley in it as well. <laughs> I know that's the one that seems to have really broken out for the, from the festival for me. Like I just seen rave reviews nonstop for it, and I I immediately sort of started looking, going, "Is that one playing at Glasgow? Hopefully, maybe. Um, unfortunately, not." Um, I even even secretly hoping, I wonder if they're going to do like a surprise or secret screening. Um, yeah, I unfortunately have put it to my mind that. I, the best I can now hope for is maybe Edinburgh in, in June if, if everything goes together, but the odds aren't looking too good. Uh, yeah, no, well, I mean, it looks like the, the Euros um, will probably not really have an audience uh, in June if it does go ahead. So, um, uh, yeah, I get, but I, I think given the way things are, we're probably looking at a virtual one in 
for Edinburgh, so they might just stick to the original June date rather than move into August. But yeah, who knows? We got to take each day at a time at the moment. Well, it sounds like if you're, if anyone's like me, they've made a hell of a lot of notes about films to look forward to. Hopefully this year, and yeah, it sounds like it's been a been an amazing festival. I think you've still got one day left to go. Is there anything you're looking forward to? Hopefully seeing tomorrow. Um, yeah, there is one day left. Um, or today is the last day if you're listening to this when it drops. Um, but tonight, uh, the previous night, Tuesday night, uh, is the awards ceremony, and that's when uh, they dish out all the awards for I think it's U.S. Dramatic Composition. Uh, documentary international and stuff like that so i believe that tomorrow uh we'll be able to watch all the uh, award winners again so um hopefully there's a few things which i, I might have missed first time on which i'll get a, a second chance at so um yeah it's 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 not over yet one more day and then uh i've got three is it three weeks and then uh straight on to glasgow so <laughs> i do love the start of the year with all these film festivals <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we'll be back in a, a kind of couple of weeks, obviously, to touch on Glasgow. But before then, we'll be back in two weeks' time to sort of discuss the new Netflix movie from from Sam Levinson, the creator of Euphoria and Assassination Nation, uh, Malcolm and Marie, and we'll be kind of looking at some of our favourite Netflix originals. So hopefully, you'll join us again in two weeks in in warmer climates. Thanks for listening. Bye. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party. Welcome to Nerd Party. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.